So if you'd like um, to turn with me, if you do have a Bible, in, uh, to the book of 1 Peter, which is um, in the New Testament. It's uh, towards the back of the Bible. Um, if you don't have a Bible handy, that is absolutely fine because the words that we're going to be looking at today will appear on the screen behind me as we go. One of my guiding principles in life is that no one is ever over-encouraged. Uh, not really. Because our wider society just does not do encouragement very well. Cynicism, yep. Criticism, it's everywhere. Shaming, just look at the comment section of any YouTube video and you'll find it. But encouragement, not so much. And one of my guiding principles for lockdown and this last year that we've been through is that everyone is severely under-encouraged. That one of the effects of us being so separated from one another means that we just aren't able to be with one another and support one another, cheer each other on and speak life into one another, perhaps look one another in the eye and say, you are doing well, keep going. And as Jem said, next week we are going to be beginning our new teaching series in Ruth. But today I want to speak a particular message of encouragement to us. And as she said at the beginning, my hope is, my intention is that you will be encouraged in your faith today. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you, you can be the judge of that. We'll see how we get on over the course of the next half an hour or so. But this year, I think, can feel like it has been nothing but loss. I was chatting to a few students um, from, from Revelation Church just the other day and they were saying that it feels like they have lost out on a whole year and a half of their studies. So uh, half of their undergraduate degree just gone. All of that experience. Perhaps for you, you feel like what this year of, lo of lockdown or over a year of lockdown has done is robbed you and, and you've lost momentum in your life. Maybe it just felt like everything was coming together in just the right way before and then you, this last year has happened and the, 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 everything coming together has just been sucked away and you think, how am I going to get my life back on track? Or maybe you just feel like you have lost joy. I was sent um, a New York Times article this week that said that the dominant emotion of 2021 is languishing. This state that is described or characterized by stagnation or emptiness. That on the, the one extreme, it's not depression, but it's certainly not the other extreme of flourishing. It is just bang in the middle, lifeless, dull, directionless. It can feel like we've lost joy. But what if in this year this time of very real and very painful loss, that among all of us, and actually within all of us, we've all been genuinely gaining something. Something that we may not be aware of at all. Something that's actually worth celebrating and rejoicing in God for. Something precious and something that would only happen through a year of pain and of trial. Today I want to share a message called Passing the Test. And we're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, 
verses 6 through to 7. So they should appear on the screen behind me, um, from reading from the ESV version. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of 1 Peter is actually a book that is fairly easy for us to um, relate to because it's, it's a book that, or a letter that Peter wrote to a number of small churches in pagan cultures. So in cultures that were widely not Christian, not believers in Jesus, living completely different to them. And the letter that Paul is writing to them is essentially saying to them, look, this is how you navigate living the Christian way among people you're surrounded by people that do not live in that path and to encourage them and to help them. And you might have noticed that we are interrupting Paul, uh, sorry, Peter very much mid-flow in his argument because he starts by saying, in this you rejoice. And you might be thinking, in what do I rejoice? What am I meant to be rejoicing in right now? Well, we're going to see in a moment these churches are facing very real challenges. And what Peter is saying to them is, look, the present realities that you are facing, the things you're going through, the day-to-day struggles that that are going on, they are not the whole story. There is so much more. He wants to help fix their eyes on not what's going on right now in front of them, but that which lies ahead. He tells them, you have been born again to them, what he says, a living hope. This wonderful Christian hope that he says in Christ you can have this true and certain knowledge that one day you are going to have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading and he says if you want to live in this, well the way that you live in this hope now is through verse 5, faith. Faith, this trust and belief in the things of God, that there is more going on than what I'm currently experiencing and that the promises of God are real and true and not just true but they are true for me. And Peter is going to bring us back to this living hope that he starts the letter with towards the end of our passage but it is this faith our faith that then comes front and centre in the passage where we interrupted in the bit that we read from. And for the first time in his letter, he starts to address some of these real-life challenges that his listeners and readers are, um, are experiencing. And so he says to them, Now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The NIV has it as all kinds of trials. And these churches, 2,000 years ago in modern-day Turkey, now they are separated by lots of geography, scattered all about in Roman colonies, are learning the same lessons that we have learned in 21st century Manchester, living in westernized society, very different time, very different place, that the reality of living the Christian life is marked by all kinds of trials. 
And we know some of the things that these churches were facing. We, we know that they weren't going through major trauma. They weren't facing anything that was, that, that was particularly, could be described as, as huge persecution. They were mainly facing some of the, the difficulties and the challenges that come when you try and live by a set of different standards and principles and ethics than the world around you. Perhaps some of the things that we faced today, but just slightly different, contextualized slightly differently. They weren't able to cut some of the great business deals that they might have expected to be able to because they couldn't get access to the right trade guilds and stuff like that. You probably have never had struggled to access a trade guild before, but that was some of what they were going through. They may be disowned by family because they were starting to live a very different way and by very different ethos to the rest of their family. What's worth bearing in mind here is that to re- remember that Peter here is writing to at least five different churches in five very different areas of the country. And you notice the broadness of his language. He says that they are facing all kinds of trials. He has no one type of hardship or affliction in mind here. We can take this as a general insight into how the experience of difficulties and trials that we go through fit into the life of a believer. How something like, if you're watching on the stream, we can now hear the movement of children in a far off place. (laughs) We, uh, excuse me, I've lost the train of my thought. (laughs) From going through the hardship of perhaps redundancy at work and how that might fit into the life of a believer or how going through a year of COVID-19 and lockdown and social separation fits into the life of a believer. Last week as we finished our Sermon on the Mount series we heard Jesus himself saying following me is the hard path. It is difficult to follow my way Jesus said and just like Jesus Peter here he is acknowledging the reality of difficulty of living as a Christian. He says you have been grieved by various trials, but in no way to downplay what it is that his followers, his, his hearers have been through and are going through. The point that Peter here wants to press home to them is that he says that through this deep challenge that you are facing, through these difficulties, God is at work within them. He is doing something precious among you. And he carries on in verse 7. He says, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found. This is kind of unusual language, the tested genuineness of your faith. But what what he's saying is that God is at work through these days of trial to test our faith. Testing our belief in God and his purposes at work in our life. And what really brings it to life is if, if, as we start to understand some of the imagery that Peter is using here, which we see in the second half of verse seven, where he says, he's the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. And he is comparing the testing of our faith to the testing of gold. And this was an ancient practice that many of us probably not that familiar with. But essentially what they would have is a lump of metal and material that looked an awful lot like gold. Gold was the most precious thing that they had in those days. So the difference between gold and not gold was a big one. 
And so they, they wanted to find out, okay, is this the real deal or is it not? And so what they would do is they would fire up the furnace, get it really hot, and they would stick this lump of what they hoped was gold in it to find out, is it gold or is it not? And if it was gold, it would hold its shape. It would be the real deal. This is what we're looking for. But if it was anything less precious, it would just collapse in an embarrassing pool of nothingness. It's a little bit like, um, I know you're all big fans, a bit like Antiques Roadshow, where they get the, uh, they get the expert antique viewer person and he gets his, his eyeglass and looks at the antique with, with precision and with an expert eye and scrutinizes it. And you always have those moments where it's like, oh, if this, a genuine one of these would fetch at auction at least 52,000 pounds. But this one's a fake. And so I'd probably get about tenner at the car boot, and the person just has to sort of sidle off on their own. So it's essentially the Antiques Roadshow, but with a lot more fire, is what is going on here. This is the testing process that Peter is talking about. This is what he says happens to our faith in times of difficulty. It's scrutinized. Heat is applied to it. Serious questions are asked of our faith. Is this the genuine article or not? I wonder if that feels like it describes your last 14 months. That it feels like extreme heat has been applied to you, your life and your faith. It's been uncomfortable. It's been pressurized. Your faith has perhaps been under real examination. Maybe having to connect into church on Zoom and feeling like, I don't want to sing along. I feel so awkward my housemates can hear me. And to be quite honest, I don't even know if I want to. You're stuck in your bedroom again, unable to see your friends, feeling like the four walls are just closing in on you, sick of being in this space opening the lid of your laptop, knowing that it is yet another day of life-sapping mundanity ahead of you. And you felt disconnected from God. Let down by him, perhaps, thinking, God, how could you do this to me? And you've maybe even asked questions like, can I keep going? Is it worth it? You've been in the testing. And yet, through all of that, you're still here. Whether you're tuning in online, sat here in the powerhouse, even if it has brought you right to the limit of thinking, I might walk away. Maybe you've questioned God like you've never questioned him before. But the very fact that you're here, the very fact you're tuning in online, Perhaps you're battered, perhaps you're bruised, maybe a bit burned, but you're still going, still looking to him, still following Jesus, perhaps now with an added limp, but still following. It is proof 
that your faith is being found to be genuine. That it's been tested, but it's true. And Peter is writing this because God wants his people to know this is what's happening. He wants to, in some ways, show us our own faith. It's a slightly strange way of thinking about it, but he wants us to believe in our own faith and to know it's there. He's saying this is more precious than gold. This faith that is more precious than gold, verse 7, he is unearthing and unveiling and revealing it to us so that we know this faith that we have, this faith that we hoped we had is genuine. It's the real deal. It's there. And it's only, you can only really believe that, only really know it when you have been through a time of trial and struggle. About six months ago or so, I was uh, walking with someone from the church and they were just going through a tough time. I mean, you know one of those times where just everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And most of the things, like the pressures that were coming from just about every angle of their life, most of them were lockdown-related, COVID-related. Certainly, if not that being the actual source, exacerbated, made worse by it. It was just one of those times where you thought, it's just so much going on. And they were confused. They were frustrated. They were finding things really understandably difficult. But yet, They were bringing all of those things, all of that frustration, all of that confusion to God. And as much as for me, it was so difficult to hear it. And I wished above everything that I could just click my fingers and make it all go away and everything would be okay. At the same time, I was so encouraged. Because I thought, that's what winning looks like. That's what victory looks like. That when life is difficult, still being able to come to God and bring it to him. That more than anybody else I knew at that point, they were going through the furnace. They were being tested and their faith was being shown to be genuine. And God was revealing that to them. I wonder if maybe even he's awakening in some people a new faith here today. That maybe you're new to Christianity, maybe you're exploring some of the things of the faith and actually through this horrendous year, this year that you never would have chosen, this year that you wished at points you could have just clicked your fingers and it would go away, actually through it, you know God has been at work in you. You've started asking questions that you've never asked before. You're starting to have these thoughts and starting to wonder and you're realizing there is, maybe there's something more precious than gold within me that God is just bringing to the surface. And this testing process is not just, though, about what we discover, but also about what we become. Because there's a second aspect to this testing uh, that becomes a bit clearer as we read the New Living Translation of verse 7, which, again, I think will appear on the screens behind me. Just use a slightly plainer language, which I think helps us get it. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. 
the testing process also purifies, or as the NIV has it, refines our faith. That this lump of gold would have gold in it, but mixed in would be all kinds of impurities, all kinds of, of things that were, were muck and dross, things that would devalue this lump of gold. And so part of the reason you put it in the furnace is not just to find out, is this gold or is it not? But to burn off all that is not gold and to refine and purify it. So you would be left with pure gold. And Peter is saying that's exactly what happens to our faith. They are refined. That we become, we are changed through the testing process. And if there's one man in the Bible that goes through this testing, it is Job. In the book of Job, the first chapter, we see him lose his house, he loses his children, and he loses his health. And the whole book of Job is then him wrestling with some of these questions that we've talked about before. God, where are you? And what are you doing? And what is going on in my life? And him trying to come to terms with it and hold on to God through some of the most horrific circumstances. But he keeps going. And in Job 23, again, I think we might have it on the screens. Job keeps going and he says this, he's talking about God, that he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Notice that similarity of language to the passage that we've read. That Job is going through the furnace but he knows that as he is going through it, even as he's facing it, he's able to say, I know that there is purpose in this and that as I come through it, I'm going to come out different, changed. I'll be refined and I will be purified as gold. That as we are tested, anything within us that is not faith is burned away. I have uh, certainly felt, I think, the bits of me being burned off me this year. I don't know if you can as well. There's been bits mixed in with my faith that certainly have been revealed to not be pure faith at all. And one area that has been getting this treatment is my self-reliance. I am fully happy to trust in God. So long as I also can have total and complete dependence on myself to get things done. And then a year like this comes along. A year where I have just been able, we have all been able to do far less. We have had less ability to rely on ourselves and to get things done. And it has exposed within me the frustration that I can't do it all. And realizing I have to trust in God. And he's just been burning away in me this reliance upon myself and my own strength to do things. Relearning again what it means to trust in God. To really put faith in him. And realize that if this thing is going to get done and if that thing is going to get done, I need to trust 
in God and say, God, you need to do it because I can't. I physically am I'm, I'm unable to do it now. And I've been praying more because I haven't been able to do it. And guess what? God has been working and answering prayers and doing it all. This has been a hard year in, in so many ways. But it has been such a good year for my faith. Refining our hearts where something else has got mixed into it. Maybe you are happy to have faith in God, so long as you can also put a little bit of faith in your bank balance. But then you get furloughed and suddenly you're down to 80% of your income and things start to get squeezed and a bit tight and you've had to learn, actually, I can't put my faith in money because it can just go like that. And you've had to learn, I need to put my trust in God. He's been refining you. Maybe for you, it's, it's slightly more subtle. Maybe you realize that you were reliant and your trust on God was kind of mixed in with a, a desire for a life that is comfortable and somewhat predictable. And then you have been thrown into the uncomfortable. You've been thrown into the unpredictable. And you've had to fight to work out, hang on a minute, where, where is my faith? What does my faith look like? Is my faith just in God or is my faith in God but also in things that make my life kind of comfortable? And you've had to work that out and learn once again, what does it really mean for me to trust in God? And this process hurts. I mean, we are not just talking about having heat applied to us. We are talking about having bits burned off us. But this process is, notice that word in verse 6, it's necessary. Now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. At times, it is necessary for us to go through difficulty through trial because at times it is necessary for our faith to be refined and purified and what this tells us is that this purifying work can only happen only happen through trial through suffering that we need suffering and we need trial to become all that God wants us to be. They are vital components and parts of our spiritual formation and as our growth as disciples of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean, oh, I am just going to go actively seek out every single suffering that I can find because I, I want to fast track my development as a disciple. And so let me just like, I'm going to jump in a pit of crocodiles and just watch me grow in my faith. No, don't do that. That's dumb. That's not how it works. But in his great wisdom, it says the Father in, our Father in heaven, he will lead us into seasons of trial. And when they come, he wants us to have this mindset and knowing that for as long as they are lasting, he's working something in our faith. Something that couldn't happen any other way. And so we can pray for it to finish, pray for him to deliver us out of it, but also know 
If he doesn't, it's because he's doing a deep thing within us. And I think that we have seen some of this at work in our family as a church over the last few months. That as our faith has been refined, you learn to live by that new faith that you have. And I think we've seen it particularly as we've moved to this venue. I won't go into the the whole of the story before, but if you don't know it, when we lost our previous venue, we started to pray as a church like we have never prayed before. And it just occurs to me, I wonder if we would have had that prayer, that, that living out of our faith. That's what prayer is. Would we have prayed like that if we hadn't just gone through nearly a year of challenge and trial that unknown to us maybe he was just refining our collective faith in him readying us to pray like we did same story with giving as we invited and encouraged hey would you give towards this move as a church and we've seen so many people give sacrificially and uh, and give big towards this as they've trusted in God I don't know, would we have seen the same thing if God hadn't been at work for a year of trial? These are marks of a church family that's not just clinging on, not just hoping one day, but that has been given a new purified faith, a sharpened faith to hear Jesus' voice, trust in him, and to follow wherever he leads. And it really is just such a joy to be part of a church like that. And this faith will one day lead us right into the presence of Jesus. This true tested faith will be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The value of faith, of course, is not just found in itself. Our faith in itself is something that's worth beholding. No, no, no. Faith is the value of it is the one that it leads you towards if you'll forgive me a martin luther quote that is in slightly old english faith apprehendeth nothing else but that precious jewel christ jesus peter here is talking about that day where jesus christ is going to return to the earth at the end of time And he's saying on that day, when Jesus appears and the world, the whole of creation is able to behold him as he is, rightly, as we started our worship with, as Helena uh, read out Revelation chapter 5, it says that all of the, uses the same words, the praise, the glory and the honour will be given to him. On that day as we see him, we will direct all of our praise to him the object of our faith, the one that we are, have this living hope of one day seeing and beholding. But yet here, as most of the academic scholars and even actually some of the Bible translations would say, Peter is saying that the praise and the glory and the honour is not going to Jesus Christ, but to us. How? How can that be? Because on that day, it will be the good pleasure of Jesus Christ to share all that he has 
with those that he loves, to share all that he has with those whose faith has been proved to be genuine, to share even his own glory with us. You might think this faith that I have, this faith that God has been refining, how precious is it really? One day it is going to lead us to him, to be with him. Jesus Christ, our saviour. And as we are with him, he will somehow make a way that all of the praise and the glory and the honour of the created realm that is rightfully due to be his will somehow be shared with us and we will receive it and be swept up in the joy of it. And it is the kindness and the goodness of God that he leads us into days in the furnace. He leads us into times that test and refine our faith to ensure that when that day comes, when Jesus Christ appears, we will also be there with him. As the commentator Matthew Henry says, the trial will soon be over, but the praise and the glory and the honour will last for eternity. And so until that day, it seems like we are coming to an end of this particular trial that we find ourselves in, hopefully. But as we come out of the furnace that has been 2020 and into 2021, we are coming out changed. We have this faith that we can know it's genuine. A faith that is now more pure and more true than it was before. And what I think is really worth us thinking about, dreaming about as a church family is, what is a church of Jesus followers that has been through this refining fire? What is that church able to do for the kingdom of God in Manchester that we never would have thought about doing, never would have had the faith for in 2019 Doesn't that seem about a lifetime ago, 2019? What are we ready to do now that we would not have done then? I'm reminded of that imagery that we looked at in the Sermon on the Mount. That although we might not be huge in number as a church, Jesus talks about letting your light shine before others. And we reflected on how light does not need to be big to have a big impact that even just the tiniest of lights in total darkness is potent and able to have a huge influence and gold too as it is refined as the dross is taken away is able to shine in the darkness all the brighter Matt do you want to come This has been a year of unprecedented loss for us, sadness, grief. But God wants us to know we are passing the test. Maybe you feel totally burned at the moment. Maybe you you even came today, you're just wondering, I don't know if I can carry on. I just want to invite you to close your eyes and just receive 
the encouragement as we begin to bring today's meeting to an end. Just know that God will have been speaking to each of us through something of what he wanted to share this morning. I just want to pray for you if you feel like you're almost at the end of your faith. That this whole time has just almost led you right to the end. I pray now, Holy Spirit, would you draw near to those that are in that place and bring the encouragement of your scripture to to life in those hearts. That this is actually a strengthening time. This has been a time where you want us to see how genuine and real our faith is. That just holding on now, that is winning. That is what victory looks like. And I pray now for the encouragement of God to come. And maybe just help some of us see where God has been burning little bits off. The faith work that he has done over this last year. Maybe for you, you can relate to the self-reliance thing. Maybe you can relate to, or maybe I, I was putting a bit too much trust and money. I feel like God's helped me in that. There's always a danger when we come out of times that have tested our faith that we then start to go back to our old ways. Maybe just start to mix in some of the impurities all over again. Just pray even now that the Spirit of God will be opening the eyes of our hearts to see what he has done so that we don't go back to those old ways. That he has done a changing work in us that endures. just want to encourage another final minute for you of, of just sitting, reflecting, thinking, God, what are you saying to me? What might I have to take away from today's message? What am I going to treasure up in my heart? And then Jem will be up to close up our meeting.